0: This is the Game Day on Rocky Top podcast, episode 161. Joel Hollingsworth and Will Shelton here with you again today. I am in the plush uh, Game Day on Rocky Top studio, and Will is in the uh, Game Day on Rocky Top Batmobile en route to some undisclosed location. So uh, that's why you hear the noise, because he's going at supersonic speeds. Um, But we can't tell you where. So um, that's what he's doing. Um, Will, we, uh, we haven't done an off-topic question for several episodes now. So before we get into the South Carolina game, I wanted to ask you, uh, you probably saw on social media that Jeremy Pruitt went to uh, Gus's Good Times Deli after the game, which is a, another good move. Um, so I don't know what he got, but it made me think of Gus's, and I haven't been there in a while, and it made me miss Gus's. And so I was wondering, do you have a go-to order at Gus's? I'm assuming you ate there as, as a student. I mean, everybody has. Everybody that's cool has. So have you eaten there, and, w- and what do you get?
1: Well, first of all, I think it's just awesome that he went there. Uh, I think that uh, it, it just, out of all the options he could have gone to, and, and I know the strip has changed uh, over the course of, of every, like everyone's college career, the strip seems to change every four years or whatever. And maybe it was the only option. I have often lamented that there's no Waffle House. I don't. I just don't understand it. Why there's not a Waffle House on the strip or any closer than like Paper Mill. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I I don't understand that. So maybe it was the only thing open. Uh, I did go a, a number of times. It used to be open till 3:00 a.m. I think when I was there. Uh, I was a freshman at UT in 1999, and then there the early parts of 2000. I didn't go enough. I'm ashamed to say to have like a regular go-to order. Uh, when I am when I'm at a deli, I, I really enjoy uh, either a sliced turkey or a sliced chicken, uh, and then like a super sharp cheddar cheese. Mm. Um, and uh, and I like spinach on my sandwiches uh, as Ooh. well. So uh, that's uh, I, But I, I didn't. I I try you know ham. I tried a bunch of different stuff. Uh, in my time there, so I'm embarrassed to say I don't have a I don't have a go to what is uh, I, I assume you're asking the question because you have an answer to this.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I, I think I'm kind of like you. I, I basically stick to one thing. All right, if I remember right, when we've eaten together before, we're both kind of like we just want regular food. Right. <laughs> right. We're, not, we're not fancy frou-frou guys. So uh, I don't even get deli at the deli. I, what I get is the fish sandwich. I, get, I just get it plain, and I get a huge basket of the seasoned fries. And I think that might be the first place that I've ever actually had seasoned fries, and they were just to die for. So, yeah, whenever I go back, uh, that's a that's a bowl full of, or a basket full of nostalgia for me. So, yeah, there we it's are. A great
1: place. I need to uh, I need to take my wife there. Wait, I'm, like. We were talking before we went on the air that I think the last time I ate there was with you before some orange and white games. So, yeah, I need yeah. to uh, – apologies if anyone from Gus's is listening to this podcast. Uh, I have a fan. I just need to – I haven't lived in Knoxville in, like, 15 years at this point. So I need, to, uh, I need to get back there.
0: We are as disappointed as you, as Wayne Chisholm is disappointed that there is not a Waffle House on campus.
1: Yeah. Again, we, sh- we should all be disappointed.
0: We should what we should not be disappointed in is the uh, South Carolina game yesterday. Hey, that that may be my first actual professional transition as a podcaster. Usually, I just go oh, on to the God. next question. So, <laughs> but hey, that worked. So um, that was an awesome game. Okay, um, everything went right. It, it sort of well. Actually, not everything went right, but it all ended well. Um, the team. Let's see. They 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 shut out. Uh, South Carolina in the second half. They held uh, South Carolina to 78 yards rushing. Um, The offense put up 485 yards. Um, Special teams added two touchdowns. Jawan Jennings was a monster. He was just awesome. He had, uh, let's see, seven receptions, 174 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Jarrett Garantano had a bit of a little redemption story. It wasn't quite James Wilhoyt in uh, that Florida game. What was that, 2005? 2004. 2004, yeah. okay. Um, but he did take a terrible, no-good, horrible mistake from last week. He uh, weathered the negativity with grace and class in the words of Trey Smith, and I agree with him. Um and he had a really good game. He put up, uh, let's see, 229 yards. He had two touchdowns before he got injured. JT Shrout also did well. He had 122 yards and a touchdown. Ty Chandler had 78 yards rushing. Daniel Batuli was everywhere on defense, 15 total tackles. He blocked a punt. He recovered it in the end zone. Nigel Warrior was everywhere. Toto was everywhere. Um, Best of all, the team wiped a smirk off of the smug mug of Will Muschamp. So that was my favorite part. Do you have a favorite part from uh, from yesterday?
1: I think all of that, uh, obviously, was, was excellent. I have a couple. I think the uh, – I mean, it's the point Garantano got hurt on, uh, but that touchdown, uh, it, it reminded me – it, it looked so much like the Dobbs touchdown to Ethan Wolf in the Florida game in know 16. That sort of teardrop in the back of the end zone without the receiver getting crushed uh, the way Jennings did yesterday. But that sort of play, because in, in that situation in the Florida game, Tennessee was down 11, and you're thinking, all right, well, if we could get three here and cut it to one possession, I don't know. Uh, let's see. And then all of a sudden, it was just a perfect throw, and really, you know, it was the spark for everything that came after that. And that play yesterday, that's a 3rd and fourteen play where you're thinking, all right, Tennessee's down four. You got three. You could cut it to one. I don't know about the momentum or anything like that. And then, I mean, again, just is Garantano at his best to a T, stood in there, took a huge hit and on a third-and-long play and, and put the ball just in a teardrop there to Jennings in the back of the end zone, who – you know, absorbs just an incredible hit and and, uh, comes up with with a touchdown. So uh, I thought that was outstanding. And then just seeing the way that they stayed aggressive when Shrout came in the game, that was so satisfying because you're up, you know, like we said, you're up up three. Garantano is is clearly not coming back the rest of the day. So it is even more likely that you're going to go in the shell and and try to get the game we all thought we were going to get at the start. And instead, not just to throw to Callaway, which is a beautiful throw, yeah. but, you know, he, he threw on the, uh, on the drive where they kicked the field goal to make it 34-21. Cheney called four pass plays in a row. Uh, so the fact to see them with a lead in a fragile season in a game where mistakes had already been made a plenty, to see Pruitt and Cheney resist the temptation to go hyper-conservative and instead keep your foot on the gas for all of the complaints about, not complaints, but just the observations of, did we hire Will Muschamp 2.0? Uh, it was delightful to see that not be the case against Will Muschamp
0: 1.0. <laughs> very very nicely put. I like that. Um, I'd say my two favorite ones are the, uh, the Jennings touchdown where he uh, broke uh, like three tackles. I mean, just those right. two plays right in a row. It's like that dude will not go down. And, uh, that was just fantastic. And then I I liked Callaway's um, sort of, you know, he, when he got to the, uh, the goal line, he kind of ran parallel to it just so he could taunt the guy just a little bit longer. Right. (laughs) So did he get flagged for that?
1: No, he baited. He baited a personal foul penalty from the defender, like oh. they had apparently been been jawing at each other all day, and then he did that, and the guy shoved him late in the end zone, and they threw the flag on him for it. So it was uh, it was authentic. It reminded me of a play. Uh, there was a play from I think 1990 against Florida where Carl Pickens did a, a similar thing, and, uh, and John Ward goes tantalizing the defender on the call. And it was just it's just what I thought of. When he did that, that sense of, I'm going to score a touchdown on this play, and I'm going to take my time, and there's nothing you can do about it.
0: <laughs> That's great. I have to look that one up. Uh, okay, so expectations going forward. I, I rolled out the uh, the the Game Day Rocket Rocky Top uh, win total machine after the mandatory 24-hour waiting period, <laughs> but – didn't wait much longer than that, so it did actually go out just a little bit early. So uh, I think we both have um, our expectations. Uh, our win total right now is at 5.6. Mine's at 5.6 because I have Kentucky and Missouri at 60%. Uh, just because Missouri, they uh, they didn't they didn't look very good. Uh, they they looked really good early on, but they they haven't looked very good uh, recently. Uh, UAB and Vandy, I have both at seventy uh, percent. Uh, I understand that you also have five point six, but have gotten there a different way. What, what, what's yours made up of, and what are you thinking?
1: Well, let me say it's, it is unusual. Uh, I'm usually slightly more optimistic than you, uh, so I don't. I, I feel weird about about being the same, and I'm usually more. Uh, FPI has Tennessee at 5.5, and okay. I'm usually more than one-tenth of a point, uh, one-tenth of a win better than FBI. So I I, uh, I don't know how to feel about myself. Uh, I've got UAB at 85%. Uh, I, I think that, again, uh, 85% is not 95%, so I, we're not putting it in the category of Georgia State preseason, any of that stuff. Uh, I know UAB is a great story. I know how many games they won last year. I know that they're six and one. Uh, I I think that this is still a game given what we've seen Tennessee do at the line of scrimmage the last few weeks that now I'm much more comfortable uh, with Tennessee just being able to dictate that the way they thought they were going to do it against Georgia state. So not 95%, not 90%, but I do have UAB at 85%. Uh, That's, According to the Vegas line, that's a little high, uh, but that's that's where I'm at on that. Uh, I think – and, again, I'm, I'm driving down the interstate, so if someone is listening to this and is like, that doesn't add up to 5.6, I may have this uh, a little off. Um, I've got Kentucky uh, in the – I think I have Kentucky at 60%, 65%. Uh, the whole conversation about Kentucky and Missouri, I mean, that game – Pouring down rain last night, uh, just, it's weird. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, Missouri, much worse uh, on the road than they are at home, uh, and and has really fallen off the face of the earth here. So uh, the scheduling quirks, again, as we talked about last week, Kentucky's going to be on the bye this week. Missouri's getting ready to play Georgia and Florida back-to-back, and then they play Tennessee. So uh, I think it was, I think I have Kentucky at 60%. And then I have Missouri at forty percent. Uh, I I have just seen Tennessee look bad against Missouri too often. Um, really, the only time, the only two times they've beaten Missouri in fifteen, they they uglied it up and won nineteen to eight. And then in sixteen, they they won the opposite of that, at like a 63-37 kind of game. So uh, I, I just I, I have not seen it enough against Missouri to believe it. Um, and at Vanderbilt, I've got it 70%. Uh, you know, we need to be careful with that one. Vanderbilt really has Tennessee's number. Uh, and let's see if Derek Mason can build on what they've done already. Uh, so I'm, I'm high on, on Tennessee's chances against UAB. Uh, but I'm a little lower on, on Missouri than you are. All
0: right. That's fair. Um, UAB, I I have a real dilemma with UAB because, uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 preview machine, um, it's it's doing really well, uh, but it's got this UAB Tennessee game wrong. I ran it already this morning, and it's I'm embarrassed to even say what it says, but I know why. Does
1: it have UAB winning?
0: It does by like ten. Yeah. But, but the reason is um, I looked up their strength of schedule. Tennessee's this was at least last week. Tennessee's strength of schedule was seventh last week, and UAB's was 130 out of 130. So all of their numbers are inflated, and the SPM doesn't—you know—it it doesn't realize that. So it just takes its numbers and says, "Hey, these guys—these guys look just like Florida," and and you—you you remember what you did against Florida, right? And so there's two problems with that. UAB is not Florida. And Tennessee is not the same Tennessee team that it was when it played Florida, so I got to figure out what to do about that. Um, but I do think that we are in danger of um, undervaluing them a little bit. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting, anyway.
1: I think the line helps. I mean, thirteen is you're not allowed to treat this team the way you treated you know Georgia State or, or any of that stuff. I do think, uh, and I don't profess to be up on, on mid-major conference college football, but I think FBI, even though they're 6-1, and one, just the bulk of their schedule is coming. I think they have like a 4% chance to win their conference in FBI That, that there's, um, there's just they – haven't, they haven't played, as you're saying, a, the sort of competition that gives us a, a really great comparison, at least so far.
0: Right. That's true. All right. Uh, quarterback for Tennessee – uh, what do you think the depth chart is? We got uh, Brian Maurer was basically kind of had won the number one job and then he got hurt. Um, who knows what it was yesterday? I guess, you know, they started uh, Juwan Jennings, kind of, uh, but just as a wildcat. But the first guy in after him, and I, I presume, I, I don't know, what, were you at the game? I was not. Okay, so I wonder what they announced on the uh, Jumbotron as the starting quarterback. It probably wasn't Jawan. Uh, it was probably JT. He took the first.
1: Yeah, it, it, was, it was not Garantano, yeah.
0: Right. Um, but he didn't play very long, and then Garantano uh, sort of took over and basically only gave that spot up after he got hurt. Uh, so what do you think? What do you think it is, and uh, does that differ from what do you think uh, it, it should be?
1: So I would guess that if Maurer is at a place they feel comfortable playing him, that Maurer would still go back to the top of that list. Uh, Maurer is giving you something with his feet that you're not getting from the other two guys. Uh, And and we didn't see anything from – there wasn't enough there yesterday from either of those two guys – that I think would make me say, okay, well, let's, it's not going to be Mauer. Uh, un, unless there, again, if there's some version of that game where Garantano doesn't break his, his a bone in his wrist and his non-throwing hand and continues down that path, maybe then you reboot the conversation and say, look, this is what we thought we were going to have at the start of the year and let's keep riding him. So there's, there's going to be a conversation here about playing the hot hand which is fine as long as you know which hand is hot <laughs> or 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 one of them is. Uh, it's hard enough to do that when you're talking about two guys. Now you're talking about three. There was a foregone conclusion, I think, for everybody, that Garantano was not gonna be around next year. That at the start of the year there were whispers about him going pro early. We've talked about graduate transfer possibilities a bunch. And that like that still seems to be around. You know, that guy is a red shirt junior. He could come back next year. I don't know what the staff is telling him or anything like that, but so that, that piece of information, you know, if if you think he's gone next year, then you have no incentive to like continue to develop him or or anything like that. The way you might want to give a look to Maurer or to shroud. So uh, I, I would assume the conversation is Maurer if healthy one Garantano, if healthy, two, Shroud, if healthy, three, because that's been the depth chart since the Georgia game. It just got messed up in, in a couple of different ways, but that's still been the overarching theme. And though I, we, I do not want to discredit what just happened yesterday because we talked about in, in what I wrote yesterday, that's, that's the best yards per play performance of the offense against a Power 5 opponent other than November of 2016 when they had the best offense in college football. Yesterday was the best of the decade. That's wild. And I mean, that performance. I started researching this. I won't get it. I won't get around to writing it tonight. I don't think. But like, if you're thinking of ten best quarterback performances of the decade, I think yesterday is on that list. I mean, it's not at the top of the list, but I, I think what just I mean to go eighteen for thirty for three hundred plus yards with three touchdowns and no interceptions with, uh, you know, the most in the line, the former starter we've had around here, and then the third-string quarterback, and he didn't do it against, you know, it wasn't done against Troy. It was South Carolina team that beat Georgia and picked off Jake Fromm three times. It's insane. So I, I don't want to minimize at all what just happened there, but I would just uh, – Tennessee's been playing well four weeks in a rebuilding a, a thing here for four weeks in a row. And that depth chart, when available, those four weeks has been Maurer, Garantano, Shroud. So I would assume that's still how it looks, and then it's just a question of who's healthy.
0: So all three quarterbacks doing that well—that has to be Cheney, right?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it, there's nobody talking now about him being overpaid or anything like that. Yeah, to get to get those guys ready, particularly you know Maurer and Shroud to get them ready, to get a game plan for Maurer that again we haven't seen very much of but to to involve him running the ball and getting the ball out quick and take advantage of all that stuff and then to to get what you got from Garrantano, who's who's been you know we've watched him all year he's he's been fragile and then to get that performance and then to, to turn it back around and as we were saying earlier to be aggressive when you had every opportunity not to be with shroud and to make it work i mean that this is this, this isn't going to be the type of season that I hope is like the most memorable five to 10 years from now, because I hope Tennessee's back to winning nine or 10 games a year. But I mean, this, in terms of storyline, this is a great story this season. And I mean, we got four games left here, hopefully five. So uh, yeah, this is, this is uh, an excellent job by Jim Chaney and Jeremy Pruitt, letting Chaney do his job uh, in not only getting these guys ready, but I mean, again, remember we we've, talked all year about tennessee quarterbacks making their first start as a mid-season replacement the last four guys to do it didn't even lead a touchdown drive and shrouds coming out here firing missiles all over the place <laughs> after mauer you know made one deep ball deep ball to callaway and then made the best throw of the year on that touchdown to juan jennings so yeah i mean this is this is not ordinary stuff at least for this decade for tennessee
0: so we could probably uh, talk about this the rest of the podcast. But the thing is, uh, basketball starts this week. So uh, we ought to talk about basketball, too. The, uh, the, the men's hoops team uh, starts off with an exhibition game Wednesday, I think it is, uh, against Eastern New Mexico. I don't know who they are. Uh, their logo is a big green E, uh, if that helps anybody. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyway, it's going to be the first look that we get at this team. And uh, I know that you know some of the stuff off the top of your head. I was wondering if you could give us all a uh, sort of just a quick introduction to uh, to what the roster is going to look like this year. I know that we got uh, Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden. Those guys are going to try to fill the leadership void that's left by uh, Bone and Schofield and Williams. Uh, but, uh, you know, where those guys fit in and, uh, who else, who else can we expect to see?
1: Right. So Bowden Turner, that's written in ink in the backcourt. You're going to have those two guys, uh, Josiah James, first five star that Tennessee's had since, uh, Robert Hubs, everyone is just, uh, he, he can play point guard. I think the early assumption is going to be that he kind of starts out at, at the two or the three, depending on what they want to do with Bowden. And then when Lamonte Turner is not playing point guard, that James could also come over and and play the point as well. That's what I think is going to happen. We need to wait and see. Again, uh, you you just got to wait and see. Uh, Tennessee's three five-stars since 2000. One was Tobias Harris, who's a one-and-done, obviously still doing great uh, in the NBA. One was Scotty Hobson, who had a a long career in Tennessee, was part of big winning teams and things like that. It was frustrating at points along the way. Uh, And then Hubbs suffered, I think, from, you know, that that was a tough time to be part of Tennessee basketball in that transition between Conzo Martin's best team in 2014 and the Barnes team's hubs came and went during that span. And so uh, he had some opportunities there with the early Barnes teams. But, you know, you you don't automatically get a lottery pick with a five-star. So we we don't want to put too much on on James at first. But, you know, on paper, he's the most talented player that Tennessee's had on its roster uh, in the last few years. So that will be interesting to see one big subplot with him is, you know, the, the real haul in recruiting is next year. So if James isn't a one and done and he stays, then you're talking about on paper, the most talented team that Tennessee has ever had uh, on the floor in, in 2020, 2021. And so that's, that's kind of a, you know, if, if James being a lottery pick is the difference between Tennessee being an eight seed and a five seed, uh, you know, I, I don't know. If it's a difference between Tennessee being an eight seed and winning the SEC, then sure, go ahead and do your thing. But it'll be interesting to see how they develop it. Uh, I think a huge storyline for Tennessee is can they get big post minutes from Eve's Ponds? I think last year, early on, they tried to get Ponds to play some of the backcourt role that they lost from James Daniel. Worked for a while, uh, and then they, they went to something else when it, it didn't work as much uh, later in the season. Can they transition him and get some minutes at the four from him? Because if you can, then you've got Fulkerson at the five. Uh, they've got Uroš Klapcic, that is uh, the transfer from Arizona State, who, like uh, Aubrey Solomon, is still waiting on a waiver from the NCAA. Uh, I mean, he's he's just a huge dude. He's a seven footer. Tennessee hasn't had one of those in a while, so he can give you something uh, in the post. But <clears throat> excuse me, if you get more, if you get minutes at the four from Ponds. That's just going to change the whole makeup of of a lot of different things. Still got Jalen Johnson that can come off the bench. Jalen Johnson was, uh, last year, was the the highest-rated player on Tennessee's team. He just couldn't really carve out minutes when you had Bone and and Schofield taking some of those roles. He'll have plenty of opportunity this year, I think, to be a guy that really helps Tennessee off the bench. Uh, And then they've got some other freshmen as well that are are less heralded, uh, but I think going to have some early opportunity. This game this week, you know, it's tough with an exhibition game. You don't want to fall in love with anything. You don't want to be disgusted by anything. Uh, But the schedule doesn't offer much after this before it gets real. You get, I think, UNC Asheville uh, and and I think Murray State. And then just Washington Toronto, which is still just the strangest. It's like the people in Toronto wanted to find the two schools as farthest from Toronto because they're nice city, so. Uh, that'll that be interesting right away. But um, yeah, it's it's you know, this is a team that's nineteenth and Kim Pomeroy's rating it's it's right outside the top twenty five, which is great. I think that's good motivation. Uh, and Barnes is throwing them in the fire with the schedule. So you'll you'll see maybe not in the game game, I think you'll see right away them trying to figure out these rotations and certainly you you're, you're gonna get an early glimpse here from exactly what kind of five star you've got.
0: Speaking of the schedule, uh, he he, uh, Barnes tends to schedule up. Uh, We got all of the regular SEC teams, Uh, so you know we'll have Kentucky, we'll have Auburn. Um, But uh, I understand that there are some other uh, huge games on the uh, on the schedule this year too, and that they fall on uh, favorable days and times too. Is that right? Yes. Uh, So
1: Tennessee, first of all, goes to Kansas in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge in January. That's great, Tennessee. uh, you know, has, has been hit or miss kind of in that rotation last year, they caught West Virginia, which seemed great in the preseason. I and mean, then West Virginia just didn't have a good year. And so by the time they came to Knoxville, there, there wasn't a lot of that didn't feel like a, a, a resume win for Tennessee, even though they got it in that game. Uh, but, you know, there's only, there's only so many times this thing, they can put Kentucky and Kansas together. So they, they finally, uh, Tennessee gets a shot at, uh, at Kansas at Kansas, which will be fun in January. Uh, Memphis, obviously that one uh, circled for a while here now. That's uh, December 14th. Their run of Saturday games is is just incredible. They get Wisconsin and Knoxville on December 28th. That's a Saturday game. All these games you hear about being sold out are all Saturday, and they're all between 12 and 2 p.m. tip-offs, which is just a fantastic job by scheduling and by the SEC office, too, to make these games. You know, there's no old curmudgeonly – Oh, it's a nine o'clock ESPN tip-off. Like they're all these nationally televised twelve to two p.m. windows, and so uh, all that stuff's going to be great. Tennessee goes to Cincinnati. Uh, they catch Florida State in the Thanksgiving tournament, and uh, the other two teams in that are Purdue and VCU. So we might get Tennessee Purdue three uh, after you know two incredible basketball games the last two years. We might get the rubber match uh, in uh, in November here in you know like a month. So. Uh, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so I mean Barnes again. He's you don't have many opportunities to just kind of say, well, this one doesn't matter, and that almost certainly is going to lead to this team losing more games than the team lost last year while they're trying to figure all this out. Uh, Pomeroy projects them at 20 and 10, uh, and I think 11 and 7 in the SEC. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna uh, take some lumps, uh, more lumps than expected. But again, I think this is still easily a team that's going to have every opportunity to be a favorable first-round seed in the NCAA tournament and just lots and lots of big games that folks can be excited about watching.
0: That is awesome stuff. Um, I feel kind of like I I rushed over the South Carolina game because that was a big game, and I think maybe we should talk about it some more. Do you have anything more to say about that game? Because – it's like the, uh, the, the post-game videos and stuff, just, just watching the guys um, celebrate, um, watching... Uh, I, I didn't catch uh, Pruitt's uh, sort of hug with Garantano down on the sideline, uh, but I understand that there was some little moment there that was really nice. Um, just the, the, the vibe in the team It's not just that they have uh, won a game that they were an underdog in against a coach that they hadn't ever beaten before. Um, it's that they just look better. Uh, there's something There's something about them that makes you believe that this wasn't just a, a blip on the radar, this wasn't just something that we've seen before uh, before we plum, plummet back down to uh, to where we have been for the past ten years, it seems like this is what we can expect going forward. And uh, you know, I, I remember back in the summer, I, my expectations uh, that I wrote over the summer were: um, okay, we need to be more competitive with with the big three, but not expect to beat them. And uh, I don't know if Florida really got there, but we were more competitive with Georgia. We were more competitive with Alabama. Um, right. And then the the big thing is we needed to stop this nonsense of losing to the second tier of the SEC East. And that's where the real competition was going to be. And I think that uh, all of that is still on the table now. Um, the, the The thing that sort of went off the rails is that we – lost those first two non-conference games that we were sort of assuming that we were going to win, or at least I was, um, but with BYU. Um, and and we, didn't, we didn't win those, you know, so it sort of tainted the well. But, but the main thing that I wanted to see out of this season at the beginning of the season was let's get a leg up on the second tier of the SEC East, and I'm feeling really good about that right now. How about you?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I think a couple things. Uh, one, the season has taught us more than any other. Let's see what happens. Uh, yeah. If 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 we want to hold, if we want this South Carolina game to be everything we want it to be, we got to get to the end of this thing at six and six or seven and five. I mean, you just got to get there. I, I felt like coming into the game yesterday. I. I in thinking back to last year, I've said this on Sports 180. I've said this other places. I think last year Tennessee was a four and eight team disguised as there were a five and seven team disguised as a four and eight team. That Auburn win, uh, and this is really this is a it sounds like a backhanded compliment, but uh, that Auburn win relied on so many unusual things, especially what they did on third and long, uh, that you just can't expect that to be duplicated. In fact, you don't you don't want to be in search long, uh, and so uh, I, that that is an individual uh, as impressive of an individual upset win for the Tennessee program as anything you want to put up there. In part because Tennessee hasn't spent a lot of time being that kind of underdog, but it's just kind of a standalone win because they didn't get bowl eligible because it couldn't be a piece in a larger story. So they had one very unusual huge upset win last year and then because the other big building block was Kentucky and I know it was 10-win Kentucky but it was still Kentucky and we we beat Kentucky that's what Tennessee does and so the way that game unfolded and and should have been them worse if you don't fumble a lot in the second half uh, it didn't feel all of that surprising nor was there an incredible need for catharsis and then they went the bat right after it so there wasn't any <laughs> You know like you just couldn't I I, that Auburn thing stands in in isolation in the upset category but the other it just kind of was a nice day that then got ruined by what came later this game yesterday number one it was it was more exciting uh, than than that Kentucky game by far just the ebbs and flows of the game and and the the points that were scored Uh, two Carolina is still going to end this decade with a 6-4 advantage over Tennessee. Uh, and if you go – I mean, if you really go back to Spurrier coming in 2005, this has been a, a fairly even rivalry with the Gamecocks. So this isn't Kentucky, and it was Muschamp, who, as we know, I mean, this is the first notch of the belt for Tennessee against Muschamp. So all of that meant so much more. And if they can string it together with the rest of these games and, and get to 6-6, six and six, even seven and five, and I mean, listen, listen. As soon as he gets to seven and five, uh, it it ain't gonna be the Liberty Bowl. Like seven and five, and on this kind of roll, Tennessee's gonna go to a nice bowl game. Uh, so, all oh, we'll worry about all that later. But if we want this win to be all of those things, Tennessee has to do the rest of the work. They have to do what they failed to do after Kentucky last year. And if that ha- if Tennessee does get to six or even seven. And I do think we'll look back at yesterday, uh, again, Auburn in isolation, one of the best upsets I've ever seen for Tennessee. But I think that South Carolina win will mean more to Pruitt and this program if Tennessee is able to, to get to six and six or seven and five, than anything that Pruitt was able to do in his first year, than anything that, that you know, see you just we've written about this a lot. You have to make these memories and then you have to make them last. Tennessee's win over Georgia Tech in 2017. It's an incredible football game, incredibly compelling, insane storylines, all that stuff. That game means nothing to no one, right? It, it does it does not matter. It will not go on any list of remember when or anything like that. That game is just in a void. And some of us that were there maybe one day will say, oh, yeah, I was there. That stadium was awesome. And that game was wild. And then the whole season got set on fire. So you, you have to – you have to make a memory, and then you have to make it last. Tennessee made a memory. Now they got to make it last here with, with three out of four uh, the rest of the way home. And if they get that done, I, I started that by saying, last year they were a 5-7 team disguised as 4-8. I was worried coming into the game yesterday that they were going to be a 5-7 team disguised as 6-6. Six and, six, and they just lost. Uh, they lost to Georgia State in the game. They never should have lost. But okay, but the, the BYU thing... To just have it come down to that play, uh, I, that was a concern, is that you would be better at the end of the year and you would make progress, but you'd still be 5-7. and seven. And now, you know, they've, they've given themselves a real opportunity to get to 6. Uh, so they got work left to do, uh, but, but it has a chance. Yesterday has a chance to be what everybody really wants it to be.
0: That is going to do it for this episode of the Game Day on Rocky Top podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. As always, we're going to ask you to do us a favor. Subscribe, give us a rating, leave a review. We'll give you bonus points if you include the secret phrase, make it last. Uh, we will also accept Gus's Good Times Deli. It's not a paid yep. advertisement or anything, but that works for bonus points. And by the way, you can spend your bonus points uh, nowhere, but you know, you can say you have them. So, uh, for Will Shelton, I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and this has been the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast.
1: I know. I'm forced. I have a sense of, like, I'm talking louder because I'm in the car, and I'm also really excited. And so, like, if you think drinking a I'm my coffee here, I'm getting
0: forced. You're probably not reading. So, uh, the comments on the uh, win total. Brenna uh, has 5.78. A little more confident for both Missouri and Kentucky. Harley says, whoa, mine jumped from 5.85 to 5.3. Looks like we are getting close to bowl qualification. We still need to keep improving and overcoming adversity when necessary. The stretch run ain't going to be easy. One game at a time. Go ball. All right, way to go, Harley. Okay. Well, that's, that's the thing when you get here.
1: Because none of these games are like, you know, 95%, when you win one, you really pick up a lot of ground. Yeah. Uh, and when you lose one, you, you lose some ground, too, because it's all, you know, I've, I've got all these, I've got UAB at 85, but i got the rest at 40 to 70.